How were you when you knew you wanted to design clothes? Well, actually, about three years old. Yeah. What's your first memory of it? Um, living in this council house with uh, my sisters and my brothers and drawing this dress on a peeled wall. The paper had come off and there was a bit of bare wall and I draw this one dress. It's my earliest memory of a sketch. And do you have any, uh, any record of it at all? No, I wanted to go back and ship the cement off, you know, I know we, we sold the house years ago, but I always wanted to go back and, because I know exactly still where I drew the picture. Hmm. I've always wondered where your fascination for the macabre comes from. Um, I, I think it's, I, I think it's important that uh, to look at death, if it comes under the word car, because I think it's part of life. I think I've always been fascination with the Victorian view of death, where they almost, almost, you know, when they used to take pictures of the dead, it's not about brushing under the carpet like we do today, it's about, you know, it's more like uh, celebrating someone's life, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I think I think it's a very sad thing, but a melancholic thing. But I think it's a very romantic thing because it, it means an end of a cycle, and everything has an end. And uh, I think uh, the cycle of life is, you know, is it, a positive thing because it gives room for new things to come behind you. So. Okay, so personally, do you fear death or do you look forward to it? I fear death. Uh, sometimes I'm a bit close to it myself, but I think, um, you know, I think in times of uh, solace or stress or sadness, you, you, you look to a more darker side uh, to separate yourself from the situation. But I think, you know, it makes you love life even more. And just to um, sort of reference my own life and my perspectives, sometimes I find that one gets close to things one can't control, like death, to make you feel more alive. Yeah. Do you feel? I think I, I, I think so. I think it. I think you. You, you you're forced to tap into things you don't want to. You, you don't want to look at. But, uh, and it makes you respect the things that you do have and the, and the small things in life, the non-monetary things in life that money can't buy and, uh, and it's true money can't buy you happiness. And so you, 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 know, you gather the things that you once tried to stand away from, like your family, and when you face with them situations, you bring them closer. And, you kind of relish and you look at your life in a different perspective if you face death head on and uh, and and you and you, you you find yourself not having to say you're sorry for things that you do or if people don't like what you do you kind of respect what you do more because that is you and it, it, 
if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I found myself having to explain everything I was doing. But once you go through that intimate thing of seeing someone die, you, you, you find that you're, you, you shouldn't have to you know, say you're sorry for the things you do do because it is just you. Why broadcast light on internet this season? Because I, because I, I felt like the, the shows had gone as far as they could and to an audience that was expecting the extravaganza all the time for me or something, you know, they, they would, you know, people would leave the shows in Paris and say, you know, oh, it wasn't exciting as the hologram or whatever, but you know, it's not about tricks so much, it's about the wider audience and fashion's a very small world, especially to the professional part of the, the world. And, and you know, I, I'm not, I never thought of myself as an elitist designer. I've always, I've, I, I don't see, I don't see that it's, it's kind of productive to pigeon myself, pigeonhole myself into such a small arena because it it doesn't make design move forward if it's only to a select few. Okay. So going on from that, um, where do you see the future of fashion shows, or your, particularly your own show? It's not trying to be broad on this, as you want to be, but particularly for yourself after this season. I think you know when you when you step onto a platform like the internet. I mean, it's been around for quite some time now, but I don't think anyone grasped how big it was going to be, especially to commerce and. Uh, with the current climate, you have to look at different ways to produce a visibility, especially if you if you don't advertise. And, and as as McQueen has always been about the moment, it's never been about uh, an image that uh, is in a is in a magazine. It's always been about moment in time. Uh, that moment in time has to stretch its audience wider. And so for me, live streaming the show is bringing the audience right at the start of the collection, not being edited down uh, by outsiders when it's taken away from my show. It's to see it as I see it myself, and uh, not an interpretation of a theme by outside forces. But um, I think. You know, once you step onto this arena, there's kind of no way back. It's like learning to ride a bicycle, you can never stop. Yeah. Well, I was fine with this that the fashion shows seem to be produced just for a sort of trade, so they're just for a trade audience, but actually, it's hundreds of thousands of members of the public who would love to see your show. Mm. Actually, the whole way the system is geared up is as if it's a trade show, it's just for sort of professionals. Yeah. So one of the things I welcome with it, your move to put it on the internet mm. is you get through to an audience who's there waiting to see it. I think it's also, I think today, it's about breaking down barriers. And uh, I think communication, I mean, usually communication is done from other entertainment media like film or music 
but fashion is just a part of that entertainment. As in, you see celebrity culture today in magazines. I think it's um, and my shows are, you know, if I like it or not, my shows are a form of entertainment more than anyone else's shows. Uh, it's not just a commercial platform to sell a, a, a good. It's, it's, it's what keeps me interested in the evolution of fashion. I think it's, otherwise I find it banal and then there's no point in me carrying on because uh, that, it motivates me to see an illusion in my head and then to see the act, act, actual thing live. So it's a progression in my mind and it's also the evolution of what I believe is fashion. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're into the third week now of the fashion shows. We've seen New York, we've seen London, we've seen most of Milan now. Um, the current climate, financial climate, seems to make people play soft and mm. play gentle. Mm. Not your case. What I've seen with the collection without giving anything away, mm. you're, you've done a bold collection. Mm. Um, are you aware of that? Is that a conscious move? Is it a move? Collection is bold, but I don't really understand. Don't, uh, I don't really understand when people revert back into commerce, thinking that it's going to make money. But uh, uh, this is what we do: we make money. It's a business. But I don't think. I don't think it makes sense to play safe in these times. At times like this, I think the world needs fantasy, not reality. We have enough reality today, and um, I think yeah, it's a bold collection. It's not. It's not. Uh, it, a lot of it's based on fantasy, the collection and uh, myth and legend, but. I think, you know, storytelling is what we loved as kids, and this is what this is about. Well, I was going to, that next question was um, Plato's Atlantis. Mm. Um, can you explain the theme behind that? Well, I typed into Wikipedia, Atlantis, <laughs> and um, the first thing that came up was Plato's definition of Atlantis and where he yeah. thought he was. And I think uh, Atlantis is like, to me, uh, is a metaphor for Neverland. Do you know what I mean? It's, it could be anywhere in your mind, it could be anywhere where people find sanctuary uh, in times of. Uh, in, in, time, in bad times. And uh, as far as we know, it, it never existed, but if it did, I'd listen to Plato more than I'd listen to myself. <laughs> Do you get frustrated often that your brain seems to go faster than your mouth? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know, I, see, I seem to suffer with split personalities. Um, I, I, I'm usually thinking or doing three jobs at the same time. Um, it's just the nature of the beast. Which historical figure would you like to meet most? The Marquis de Sade. And why? Because <laughs> for anyone who comes up with 120 days of Sodom, must have had an exciting life. It makes my life so banal. <laughs> I'm sure it isn't. When we work together, you're normally incredibly focused and almost clairvoyant for very short periods of time. Um, is that because you get bored, you get distracted, 
or you've got ADD. Maybe a bit of everything. <laughs> I think what, uh, what, what, you know, working with you over the years, I think, um, what I know, what I realise, what I have to do is give you space at certain times, let you take your space to a certain level. By that time, I would have thought of how to enhance what you're thinking, and I would just step in and do it. So, like, you know, just put that there, and then I'll walk away, and you'll say, Oh, yeah. But, yeah, you know, I think, I don't know the term for ADD, but maybe, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're like, they're like neurons flashing in my head when I work with you. It's just that I, I can see you touching on something and then I will just, even if it's wrong, I'll just do this thing in the back way, push that there, push it a bit deeper there. Or, do you know what I mean? It's always pushing it to the limit, extreme limit, even if you have to re-edit it down to a certain level, but to me, you push it as far as we can to come back. Because if you start, in my head, if I start off weak, I can't go above, but if I start off high, I can be edit down. So it's, and, and I've suffered from that as well, personally with collections, where I pushed it so far that it's unattainable in the mind of people who's viewing it. So, and that's where I lack control. In your clothes, there's a lot of you, mm. a lot of your personality. Mm. Do you think you leave enough space for the woman in your clothes? You know, I think over the years, your mind is filled with so many archetypes of women that you try to please all women like a stunt. <laughs> but it's, it's like having a harem of all the continents around the world with different types of women, different sizes of women, because geog geographically, women are not all the same all over the world, from Asia to America. So. As a designer, you're constantly trying to always give a personal service between you and an individual client, is the way I design a collection. And sometimes it doesn't read so in the show because you've I'm trying to cram so many aspects into one show to please every type of person. And it can look disjointed, even though in my head it's clear. But uh, I think, you know, I think as times go on, I've grown to respect women more and more and more, especially as a gay man, it's, it's good, it's good. And you, you don't come to touch women that often on a physical level, you get into their minds about exactly what they want and uh, what they need and what they would like and what they want to achieve from this. Uh, and it's like being, um, being a, a surgeon of the mind. Okay, well, that's, like that, that sort of answers my next question in a way. I was going to say to you, each collection, do you have a particular woman? Does she change? Do you have um, people you look up to in, in history or in present and say, this collection is for so and so? Is there is a one generic woman behind every collection? Or is it specific? No, I, today, no, it's not just today, but I only go for when I come. When I visualise a woman, I'm visualising the woman's mind and her personality more than her physical self. Or what, if she's a very timid woman, would like to come out of her shell, 
then I would push little bits of my mind saying I could actually get away with this, this would empower me more, it would make me feel more secure about myself because of the archetypes that we see in everyday life are usually beyond the realms of the normal person. So you try to dig deeper with inside themselves because I know as an insecure person myself that you've got to somehow give them people their own personality within your clothes and not make it sound like I don't see the collections, I don't see my clothes as a clothes hanger that these people are just wearing on the queen. They'll try to bring something to their lives that will enhance them not myself or my ego. Okay. Um, you love birds, mm. but you keep three dogs. Mm. And so the dogs will eat the birds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. Does it frustrate you that you have to run, rely on others to create images to represent your designs in your company when you can clearly see the images in your head? I love collaborating. I love to. I love to collaborate, collaborate with people like yourself and Davidsons. But the, the problem that lies within that is that only you know your psyche, and it's just like. And I think it works vice versa with whoever you're working with that they get frustrated themselves because you both try to get onto that level where you are on an understanding of the situation or what the image should be or the film should be and sometimes it can get lost in translation and that is sad because you know what you're trying to say but it's just not coming through and literally if you, you know, if you, it's like for a, it's like finding a needle in a haystack, it's just trying to come to them on a certain kill that Sometimes it works, sometimes it works really well, and sometimes it doesn't work so well. And it's not so much frustration, it's just more sadness that we both know what we're striving for, but sometimes, sometimes someone may be, you know, it's, it's just a, it's, you have to, it's a, give it a lot of give and take, and it's also a lot of opening your personal feelings up where sometimes you might be guarded. I for me the pleasure of working with you is to see what's inside your head. So I never see my collaborations of you as just a way of pushing what I believe in or what I see. No, and it's the thrill of working with somebody like yourself yeah. is to see the life through your eyes. So I guess yeah. it's getting that crossover. But I think we had that when we first got together years ago for the Face magazine. Yeah. And, uh, we did my head blowing up. Uh, I think I just got Shimanshi at the time and uh, I mean, you kind of knew what level I was on. I mean, it's amazing how Tinnitus Mars can go so far. Well, that was sold distance, but I don't remember. Um, okay. What question do you get asked most? Oh, gosh. That's so many. It's so boring sometimes. Well, what's the worst question you get asked most? Uh, let's do it. What question do you get asked most? Which every interview would come up again. That's just Charles. Really? Yeah, the summer was, uh, oh god, I'm 40 now, that was when I was like, god, 18. It's, it's such a long time ago, and it's just like, do you believe you are the infant leader of British fashion? It's just, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay then, what do you still want to achieve in fashion? Evolution. 
What are you dyslexic on the Twitter? No, I said we were reacting suit instead of suit. That's the whole point you did that for me. Well, that's really fantastic point. Have you seen the internet change over the last few years? I think it slowed down a little bit. I think it's it's actually I think yeah, it's like peaks and troughs. I think it's I think the momentum can slow down because of overload, and uh, I think that it needs to level out and become part of everyday life. I think integration with your your surroundings where you live is what's going to bring the internet back. I mean, you use it for Google or you use it for inspiration or to look up something. But I think it needs to come to a level where it's just like switching on the TV. Mm. And I think it has to be integrated into life more. I think and it, it will do, but it's, a, it's all about education. I, I mean, I've only started Twitter because I've been educated to it, and that communication, which I never used to have, I have. And so the, you literally do hear from the horse's mouth. Yeah. So do you find it liberating? Of course, I haven't stopped, have I? I'm addicted to the film there. Excellent. So, when and where are you happiest? Diving. When I dive, when I scuba dive, you don't see any public. That sounds kind of confusing. Is there anything that you envy about women? Their hold over men. <laughs> <laughs> I think their sexuality, I think it's the, the ultimate weapon. Right. And something as a secure person, you kind of envy in anyone, but I think a woman's sexuality in any shape or form. Is a powerful thing. It's a really turned me straight once or twice. Okay. Um, what's the biggest lie you've ever told? Pass. <laughs> um, okay. Um, <laughs> often in our collaborations, we play with nature. Mm. Can nature be improved upon? Not mechanically, no. I don't think so. I think uh, we see that ourselves directly in the last 50 years. I think uh, it's kind of weird since the Industrial Revolution and the state of the world has got worse because of them trying to perfect nature. I think it's, it can't be perfected, it will run its course. It's my opinion that the people who are um, responsible for cosmetic surgery, surgeons and doctors, Therefore, probably the least qualified people to um, practice anything to do with art or aesthetics. They haven't studied navigation. Oh. If you were asked to redesign a woman's face, do you think you would do? Um, no. No. I've tried to redesign myself once or twice, and you know, I think you pay the price for it. And I think. Most women that have surgery or men start looking quite cloned to about the cloning process and it becomes over over years you kinda of like to respect what you've been given.
What in the industry makes you frustrated and furious? The lack of appreciation for the artists within the design. I won't ask you if you weren't a rabbit, what animal would you be? A blue whale. I know myself that I only spend a very small percentage of my time now actually taking photographs. Mm -hmm. um, how do you cope with all your business commitments? I think it's... You, you force yourself to because uh, uh, I, so many people depend on you for a company to work. And I think it's, I feel like it's my obligation, they give me the freedom to do what I like during the showtime. It's my obligation to make the collection sell and to support these people to work for me. So it's, it's just, uh, you know, if you choose this life of a, of a designer, it's a, or any kind of artist, it's 24-7. You know, there is no going at six or whatever. It's just like you live it. You, and you've got to prepare to live it because it doesn't stop. Following on from that, has your life as a fashion designer become harder or easier with age? Harder, because yeah. the more you grow, the more responsibility you have, and uh, the more people you're responsible for. Who would you still like to work with? If you haven't? Dead or alive? Uh, let's first do alive. Okay. Philip Glass. Mainly composers, and uh, I had a great opportunity of working with Sylvie Guerin. And uh, I never thought, I'd, when I was younger, that I'd be interested in dance or any other artistic genre. And uh, I think Philip Glass, Michael Nyman, Sylvie Guerin, Harry, the ballet. The Met in New York, which I'm in Hot Park. Okay, I'm dead. Da Vinci. Um, any regrets? I didn't pay more attention to the situation long earlier. <laughs> How do you mean? I should have concentrated a lot more earlier on in my career. And I might as well have found a career as hard as I did today. Friends? Do you have many friends? Nope. I have, uh, I have enough. You've moved to Mayfair? Mm -hmm. From East of London? Mm -hmm. Why the move? I think... I, I think after my friend Isabella's death, uh, I found the solitude too much. Um, I wanted to see life and I wanted to be able to walk around the neighbourhood and see life going on. And uh, this kind of spurred me on for another 10 years to see actual this communication going on. I kind of have this problem of sometimes locking myself away from people and uh, it can be anti-productive. Okay. What's the most exciting thing you've ever stolen? Someone's heart. Excellent. Lee, that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you.